Okay, hands up. Who loves Ted? And I'm not talking about the film with Mark Wahlberg. Excellent. Then you're in for a treat. Okay, who doesn't know what Ted is? Ha! <laughs> you're in for a treat as well. Let's go. Welcome to the Small Business Big Marketing Show, where successful small business owners share their secrets to tank your marketing to the next level. Now, here's your host, Tim Reid. Welcome back, listeners, to another episode of Australia's number one marketing show. I am your host, Timbo Reid. But you, so much more importantly, are a motivated small business owner ready to crank out some great marketing. And that's what we are here to do for you around here. So well done for tuning in. Big, big show today, team, brought to you by the very good folk at Net Registry and 99designs. Now, here's what we are going to cover. As I said at the start, Ted. I have got an interview today, not with Ted. That's not a person. I'll tell you what Ted stands for later. But John Yo is the curator of TEDx Melbourne and a huge success story that is. And he takes us behind the scenes of the TED success and the TEDx success. Um, now, I've got a reminder about a very simple yet effective marketing communications principle. I have got a fantastic listener success story, a listener who applied an idea from a recent show and has had a really big win. I'll share that with you. And also another listener and forum member who has nailed their book cover, and I'm going to explain how they did that. I'm going to wrap up John's interview, the TEDx Fellows interview with a top five, not a top three. There are so, so many learnings in there. And I've got a really good, well, I reckon they're all good, but a motivating marketing quote of the week. My favorite so far. So uh, a lot to cover, a lot to cover. Let's get stuck right in. Small business, big marketing with Tim Reid. So I had a forum member share this week a wonderful, wonderful outcome and a really good learning for us all. It's from SJ. SJ calls herself the safety nerd. I love that little, uh, that moniker. She says inside the Small Business Big Marketing Forum, which you can, by the way, become a member of, go to crankmymarketing.com. I digress. Sarah says, hi, all. She's talking to the forum members. After talking with Tim about my brand, I changed my tack and put more of my personality into my work, and it's worked. I've signed up ongoing work with three big, well-known organizations, mainly working from the office. Now, Sarah up until now, has had to travel a lot, but she has figured out a way of doing stuff, not remotely, but from her office, which is a great outcome already. For me, long-term, ongoing work with minimal travel is unusual, so big wins. I believe it was my change intact with my branding, the way I presented myself without hiding my personality and recommendations that worked. So she goes on to talk a little bit more about it, but here's the learning team. And I talked today uh, to John Yo from TEDx about this as well, the importance of honoring who you are in the marketing of your business. Now, I know that I'm speaking to a lot of business owners on this show. I know 
thousands of you tune in from all around the world. And I implore you, I encourage you to identify. You don't even need to identify it. Get clear on your personality and embed it into your marketing. That is a point of difference. And that's what SJ has done, and it's worked. Don't hide behind who you are when marketing your business. You know, so many big businesses, you know, it's harder for them to establish a personality because there are so many more employees. But with your business, it's you, number of employees, be yourself. It's funny, you know, when I see um, business owners maybe take the stage at a networking event or even reading copy on their websites, often you can fall into what I call marketing speak. Don't be yourself. Now, that is a great win, and thank you, SJ, for uh, sharing that. Here's another win, and I love this. This is a little bit more visual, but I want to share it with you anyway. Past guest and forum member and longtime listener of the show, Lindsay Spencer Matthews. In fact, Lindsay's a psychologist who I interviewed on episode 202, recently ran a design competition on 99designs for his new book cover. Now, he has shared – so the way 99designs works, just in case you don't know, is that you run a design competition for anything you want designed. You post it there. You nominate an amount of prize money. Lindsay, uh, for book covers, it's from $299. How cheap is that? You then have designers from all over the world responding to your brief, right? And then after seven days, you're shortlisted, you choose your winning design, and you award the prize money to the winning designer who then sends you the high-res files. Now, Lindsay ran this design competition, and he shared the shortlist of the eight book covers. He got about 100 and I think he said 160 or so submissions. He shortlisted the designs down to eight, and they are so, so highly professional. Like, I'm looking at them now. Obviously, I can't show them to you, but it is like these are covers that you would expect to see in a bookshop, in an airport bookshop. You know, when you look at the the top 20 best-selling books in an airport bookshop, the covers are also compelling. It's like looking at lollies. Uh, And Lindsay's are too. They're fantastic. Um, the book's called Why Clever People Do Dumb Things. Uh, one is a wonderful illustration of a bloke in a suit uh, sitting on a tree branch and soaring off the tree branch close to the trunk. That's dumb. Uh, another one is a wonderful shot of a guy in a suit in a tiny little red car racing down a hill. That's dumb. But just my point is the designs are beautiful and a great way of being able to get people's opinions by shortlisting and sharing the designs. Um, it could be on your Facebook. In this case, for Lindsay, it's been inside the Small Business Big Marketing Forum. You can do this too by heading over to 99designs. They have You can run design competitions for absolutely anything that you want designed. Um, and it's got a 100% money-back guarantee if you don't get the design you love. But what you are going to get is designers from all around the world responding to your design brief. So head over to 99designs.com forward slash SBBM, and you'll get a free $99 power pack upgrade, which means you'll get about 185% more designers responding to your brief. you got to love that. My big point here, guys, is that there is marketing success everywhere. And I love sharing it because sharing those little wins and big wins is really important. And I suggest if you want to kind of share it amongst friends, join the Small Business Big Marketing Forum over at crankmymarketing.com. 
Com. Hey, now listen to this feedback I got from listener Leanne Shorter. Boy, oh boy, is there a marketing idea here for every single one of us. Leanne has a business called resistitbands.com. They're those kind of elasticy bands that you see in gyms that you pull and they provide resistance and you build your muscles and get more flexible, you know, that type of thing. Leanne says, Hey, Timbo, just wanted to share a little success I have had this week after getting an idea from a recent podcast, episode 193, with quantum physicist, no less, uh, Elaine Saunders, who was a real disruptor in her industry. She was selling um, hearing aids online. Uh, Leanne says, I've been listening for a few months now and have tried to use a lot of your tricks and tips for for my new business at Resistant Bands. We have just gone live with the website, so not everything is perfect, but at least it's out there. Exactly, Leanne, at least it's out there. Get it out there and then start to improve. Don't wait for it to be perfect. Leanne goes on to say, in that podcast, you asked the lady how she got traction. I did. And she said that an article in a small local newspaper got noticed. So the next day, I sent an article about my business to the local paper and they printed it with a few changes. And the next thing I know, it is in over 14 internet newspaper sites. Fantastic, Leanne. So you've, it's got printed in the real local newspaper, and then 14 online newspapers have picked it up. That's how things work. The media is always looking for content. As a result of this article, the local paper has asked me to write a fortnightly fitness column for them. Oh. That is fantastic, Leanne. Thanks for all your great ideas. My pleasure. I'm going to keep implementing as many of them as I can. Therein lies the magic. Say it again. Action creates reaction. That was a motivational marketing quote from a few weeks ago. Never stop saying that. Thanks again, Timbo, for all your great podcasts, Leanne. Hey, Leanne, my pleasure, and thank you for sharing this. Hey, team, here are three things you could do as a result of what Leanne's done. Number one. The media's got to fill centimetres and seconds every day. I'm talking press, print, TV, radio. You know, they've got to fill the space, all right? So get out there and help them fill that space. How? Point two, find a newsworthy angle to your business and send it to journos, all right? Now, for example, Leanne's newsworthy angle could have been one about the growth of her small business. It could be the health and wellness benefits of her resisted bands. It could have been something niche like how low impact uh, the resisted bands are, so they're great for the elderly. So there's all sorts of different angles you can find. It might be some research that you do and you send the findings to the journalist. Whatever it is, find an angle that's newsworthy and send it to the journalist. Point three... Don't just think offline. Think online. In fact, think online even more than offline, I reckon. (laughs) Bit biased there. But us podcasters, bloggers, vloggers, we all need content. We're all looking for things to share. I'm looking for marketing gold to drip off the small business big marketing ceiling. So think about getting a message out there. You know, 99designs, as a sponsor of this show, have identified us podcasters as being a group of people who have a listener base that listens to us. So they're smart. You can do the same, okay? 
don't necessarily need to go out and seek sponsorship, but get your news articles into the hands of people who can share it with others who may want to buy from you. Hey, it's that simple. Leanne did it, and now she's writing a weekly column for a newspaper. Wow. Great story, Leanne. Thanks for sharing. Hey, team, if you have a success in your marketing as a result of this show, send it to me, tim at smallbusinessbigmarketing.com. Righto, we're not that far away from our interview with TEDx curator John Yo, but let me first tell you how you can get your online marketing sorted. Head over to netregistry.com.au. That's how. If you have got any kind of resistance around registering a domain name, getting a website designed, getting your existing website search engine optimized, maybe you want to get it found on Google with a bit of pay-per-click advertising. All these things may seem alien to you. That's cool. Do what you do best and let NetRegistry get your online footprint sorted. That's what they do. So um, I would encourage you to take a look at netregistry.com.au. Many motivated small business owners do. And tell them Timbo sent you. I reckon you are going to love this fireside chat I had with TEDx Melbourne curator since 2009, John Yo. Now, I first met John about two years ago. Uh, he picked me up from a train station, actually, and I went to speak at his local chamber of commerce. Uh, that's the very first time I met him. Didn't see him again until I recently went to TEDx in Melbourne and uh, met John again. And I didn't kind of draw the fact that I'd met him before. Someone introduced me to him and said, oh, yeah, here, here, meet John. He's the boss here. And I didn't pick up the fact that uh, that was the John that... I'm hopeless at that type of stuff. Usually pretty good with faces, hopeless with names. Usually pretty good with faces, but sorry, John, didn't recognize you that time when you when I met you at TEDx recently. Anyway, now John's position at TEDx is voluntary, believe it or not, as the curator. He's been doing it since 2009. When he's not doing TEDx stuff, he actually has a business focused on productivity and engagement in the workplace. Very, very passionate business guy is John. And we cover a lot of ground here. Uh, We talk about what TED is, in case you don't know, in case you have been living under a rock, hey? If you you don't know what TED is, go to TED.com and check it out, or specifically to John, Google TEDx Melbourne and check that out. We explain exactly what TED is early on and how it became to how it came to be so successful. We have a really good chat about branding, about getting bums on seats, about the power of public speaking as a marketing channel and so much more. And I started off by asking John what his favorite TED talk was and why. Ooh. That's a great question. Uh, look, it's quite tr- tricky, that one. It's kind of like asking what your favourite child is. <laughs> but one that always stands out is, is always the, the, the ones that really are, are tight and pithy. And um, Derek Sivers' uh, video called Weird But Different is definitely one of those. It's about two and a half minutes. Wow. Um, yeah. One of the reasons I like it is, is a lot of people have great ideas, but what Derek's talking about in that particular video is actually um, – what are the assumptions we make about the world we live in? And why I like that one is all great ideas have come from someone 
thinking about the current situation in a slightly different way. Mm-hmm. And the talk talks pretty much to that. Is that a TED talk or a yes. TEDx talk? No, it's a TED talk. And, um, well, let's talk about what is TED because, um, interestingly enough, before I hit the uh, record button, we're talking about, you know, is TED, is there a saturation out there in the marketplace? Is TED still got growth left in it? Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, I reckon there's a whole lot of listeners out there who don't know what TED is. Uh, and in fact, I thought all TED talks were 18 minutes, and you just told me your favourite's two and a half minutes. So, okay. what is TED and what's the premise? Sure. Look, TED began as a conference about th- just over 30 years ago, um, based around the premise of ideas worth spreading. Um, it uh, began mostly as a private, well, not a private event, but just a, a regular conference like any other conference. But what differentiated it in 2005 is they decided to take all the recordings that they had from those events and put them on a website. Huh. That was phenomenally successful to the point where this year um, I think there's um, about a billion views of TED videos and there's 480 million unique people watching TED Talks on any given moment. So that's TED as a brand. Um, just to answer your question around TEDx Melbourne as well, just so I should mm. clarify that. TEDx, where the X stands for an independently organised event. So we're all volunteers, including myself. Um, and we get to curate and put together TED-like events in our local town. So uh, my job as a curator is to find all the speakers and explore these ideas with sp- spreading uh in a Melbourne context or okay. in Australia. Context. Cool. So, so just just uh, before we leave TED then and go into TEDx Melbourne or TEDx, um, mm-hmm. is, does TED stand for Technology Education Design? Entertainment and Design. Ah, Technology Close. Entertainment Design. Close. Yeah, Technology Entertainment. So um, the guy that noticed it was uh, realising that there was a fusion between uh, those three areas. Yep. And um, essentially gathered some friends to talk about it. Um, and, and it was originally amazing that he filmed all these talks prior to even thinking about putting them online uh, as a website. And were the first ones were Cupertino or Oxford? So began way back way when in actually Monterey in California. Ah. So yeah, he did have a lot of vision. In, in fact, uh, a lot of vision. For, yeah, in terms of recording them, absolutely. Who was he? His name was Richard Saul Werman. And then he he sold it to a guy called Chris Anderson in two thousand one. Why do I know the Chris? What, who's Chris Anderson? Chris Anderson's the current um, curator and owner of the TED. Maybe I just know him because that's he's, he's that seems like a, a you know, I know him from elsewhere. Yeah, there's and, another Chris Anderson that does Wide Magazine or something like yeah, that. Yeah, there is. Yeah, the editor. Think, yeah, yeah. Aha. Uh-huh. So. Um, so TEDx just grew, and it went through some just crazy growth. As, as um, I mean, and listeners, I mean, just go to TED.com, and you're just going to be blown away as a as a resource, as an alternative to TV, as um, a way of honing your speaking skills. Because um, even though your favourite talk, John, was is a two and a half minute talk, correct me if I'm wrong, but is the yeah. premise of a a pure TED talk eighteen minutes? So they're known for their 18-minute talks, but talks go up to 18 minutes. So um, what I've noticed, particularly in the last 12 months, is actually the the videos that have actually got more popularity are around the nine-minute mark. Yeah, well, our attention span is like yeah. that of a gnat. <laughs> it's definitely shrinking. Sure is. So there is not a, um, 
you, you are not required to deliver an 18-minute talk if you're invited to the te- onto the TED stage. No. Look, the premise I like to have there is, you know, what do you want to say and how long do you think it will sa- it'll take to say it? You know, if it takes 18 minutes, it takes 18 minutes. If it takes nine, let's do up nine. But totally. you know, wouldn't you rather a talk that had amazing impact that was nine minutes than oh. a, uh, one that was 18? Like it, it, the life lesson there, John, I, I reckon half the business books that are written could yeah. be written on an A4 piece of paper. Um, and I'm yeah. not underplaying the power of the ideas. I use Malcolm Gladwell's Blink as mm. an example of this, where love the book, love, love the idea that when you see or meet, see something for the first time or meet someone for the first time, you know whether it's the real thing or not. Mm. There you go. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> There's the idea. Yeah, didn't, need, didn't need 400 pages. No, no. In fact, um, I was actually, I had the pleasure of actually meeting Jack Canfield and asked him, you know, well, it, it actually came up in conversation. He actually believes that the reason why his Chicken Soup series was so successful is that none of the um, stories are longer than four pages. So true. And and the the interesting thing about that is that it's really hard to be simple. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. It's easy to complicate things. So, so getting back to Ted, sure. the, so the premise, okay, so it's not 18 minutes, it's up to 18 minutes. The, mm-hmm. your, the uh, or another premise, I guess, is that it has to be an one idea worth spreading as yeah. the, the basis of your talk, correct? Yeah. In particular, the worth spreading bit. Um, a lot of people forget. I mean, it's easy to come up with an idea, not to disparage ideas, but um, there's a load of ideas out no there. No shortage of them. But, you know, what are the ones that are worth spreading? What's going to cause someone to, you know, and again, I, when I'm speaking to my speakers, I, I ask them, you know, at the end of your talk, someone ideally leans forward in their chair, looks at the person next to them, whether they know them or not, and says, you know, that guy on stage, they're either or gal, you know, they're either brilliant or they've got rocks in their head. Like, yeah. what is that? You know, if they're not going to talk about it, it's not going to, it's not going to be viral in nature. Then it's not going to spread. Hmm. So true. The one that the, my favourite, it's probably not my favourite. It's really hard to pick a favourite TED Talk because there are so many. But um, the one that always comes to mind is the bloke who invented the shark-proof wetsuit. Ah, yes. Good old TEDx Perth. TEDx Perth. Yeah. Not even a TED Talk. Absolutely. Like that, I'm listening to that. I'm going because I've always laughed, kind of, at the fact that wetsuits are generally black and make you look like a seal, mm-hmm. which is sharks' favorite. Which is sharks' favorite lollies. Mm-hmm. So this guy's invented a suit that reflects water. That is not. It, one of them isn't. It's hard to see in water. It's like, like what was Brian Singer thinking at Rip Curl when he did invent the <laughs> the, the seal costume? He probably, you know, I, I'm guessing, look, way back when, you know, they probably just ordered big sheets of rubber and just yeah. stapled, sewed them together, sorry. Uh, well, he did. In fact, I've interviewed him on this show. And, right. yeah, great story. Uh, be a great TEDx. Oh, well, no, would it be a dead? No, it wouldn't be a great TEDx story because it's just a, it's a story of a business. But um, mm. he bought a World War II sewing machine uh, and set up in a little booth, a little house in Torquay and started making wetsuits for his mates down at Bells Beach because it was just too cold, you know. So, and that's it's how all great businesses start, isn't it? Just like meeting a need. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So that was, yeah, my favourite and um, very, very shareable, you know. Like, it's it's like, again, you know, the, the founder of TED was just like ahead of his time because now 
you know, when I talk about marketing and I hear others talk about marketing, we talk about is that shareable? You know, if, if we're creating content, we talk a lot about content on this show mm. and inside my forum, it's like, is that going to be shareable? Will people want to pass that on to one person or lots of people? Yeah. And, exactly. and, and certainly TED Talks get you to do that. So, Ted X John, you mm. did you buy the license and bring it to Melbourne? Uh, you're oh. the you're you're the vo- a volunteer curator. How's all that work? Sure, sure. So, uh, first of all, there is no license fee. But what actually happens is the moment you run your event, um, the license expires. And based on a uh, public survey that goes out from Ted, uh-huh. uh, the renewal is based on the feedback. So, if they don't like the feedback. Um, you don't get your license renewed. First, Interesting. That's, that's the first part of it. Having said that, I've run 12 events now, so I think I'm doing okay. You're doing okay. I think I'm doing okay. Were, were you one of the first TEDx uh, if in Australia, yeah. in the world? Prob- I, I think I'm probably one of the more experienced ones globally, mm-hmm. um, simply because of the number of events I've run, and I've been doing this for about five years now. It's such It's such an amazing brand, and obviously it attracted someone like you to it, uh, mm. Who's an astute business person? What, what do you love about the TEDx brand and the way te- and the way TED? Because it's, it's really TED that you bought into. Shows sure. about marketing itself. TED as a brand attracts clever people, you know, change makers, thought leaders, etc. And uh, first of all, I, I feel that I feel that's my tribe. So that's that's pretty easy one to sort of be part of. I think you know. The other part of it though is really strong on the attitude. Um, I've never been to a TED or a TEDx event where you could pretty much say your wildest, most um, craziest dream and someone would say, no, that's not possible. In fact, everyone has said, I love that idea or have you also thought about this or you should meet this person. It's very positive oriented mm. and it's somewhat addictive. It's very yeah. easy you know, to, to be in a space where everyone thinks you're cool. Well, and, and, and by way of example of that, you know, I was, I was at the, the recent TEDx event in Melbourne that you put on and well done, by the way, full Thank room and amazing speakers. And, you know, I go to the footy a lot and you are expected to barrack at the footy. You know, when someone takes a mark, you cheer, particularly if it's all there on your side. But there were people cheering for thoughts and opinions shared during people's talks at the TEDx event. You don't see that all the time. No, absolutely. Look, you know, the, the goal for our event is to change the way people think and feel about the world they live in. And, you know, we're not doing our job unless people are inspired or excited by the content that we put on stage, but also by the people that choose to be in the space. Mm. You know, and how do we best serve them by creating opportunities for them to connect? So you're into, you're into community building. I love the Excellent. idea of community building. Um how do you do that? Like, how how do you how do you get? Let's start with speakers. I imagine sure. you'd get a lot of speakers putting their hand up saying, "I want to be on the TEDx stage." Yeah. So we had, as you were there, we had about I think it was fourteen items yeah. up on stage. Um, about three hundred applications to get there. So hmm. competition's pretty high. And how often does it run? Once a year. Well, we have historically run um, a few a year, but we're not going to do that anymore because uh, as our events have got bigger, you know, we're almost 900 people now, mm. it's actually got technically very difficult for our volunteers to manage. Yeah. So we're, we're scaling back the events in terms of 
large scale, but we're actually doing something a bit clever next year, which I'll talk about. Yeah, hold that thought. Uh, so let's get back. To, we'll yeah, I'd love to know. But, so you've got 300 speakers. You've got to get it down to 14, mm-hmm. uh, and they have got to be people who are going to get us all thinking, inspired, yep. challenged. How do you do that? So, again, come back to the premise. You know, ideas worth spreading. Focus on the worth spreading bit. You know, what is it that's going to cause someone to sit up and go, whoa, mm. you know, it, it can't be just something clever or, or, or tricky. Um, yeah, you might remember the Andrew Gazon talk where um, he talked about the, the criminal code. Do you remember, do you remember him talking about, and what, what was interesting about that particular talk, I think, was that he originally came to me, he said, oh, look, I tried to hand myself into the police, but they told me to go away. <laughs> which is kind of funny in, in itself. But uh, long story short, rather than him talking about himself handing himself in, we got him to explore what the criminal code was. And it was essentially um, do what you say you're going to do. Um, if your brother is in trouble, uh, always you've got to back him up. Don't exploit women. Don't exploit children. Don't take advantage of the poor. And so I said to Andrew, what have we positioned it this way? Imagine a world where people did what they said they were going to do. Mm. If you ever got in trouble, you knew someone always had your back. And we lived in a world that didn't exploit, exploit women, children and the poor. What sort of world could we live in? And, you know, in which case, who's the criminal? Mm. What, what gives us the right to point fingers at someone when they feel like they're doing something that serves a higher purpose? They unfortunately choose to do it in a way that's maybe not so (laughs) positive as an outcome. But, you know, you can't deny that the values underneath are still there. They're just interpreted differently. Absolutely. So so you're looking and and, you know, again, some of the speakers, listeners who were there at the most recent TEDx Melbourne, we had a lady who was one of 28 people in Australia uh, destined to fly to Mars in, in, I think it was 2025, one-way trip. That was interesting, Mm. hearing about someone who can't wait to hop on a plane and head out of the universe and never come back. Um, there was um, a guy who figured out, I can't remember the term he used, but figured out he could, he could 1,500 different, different language um, indicators to figure out whether you were lying or not, or whether yeah. uh, that was fascinating. Um, it just well, The list went on and on. So you were looking for people who not only had great ideas, but were, were infinitely shareable. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, these people are, are bold uh, in, in, in so many ways, in their thinking, in their attitude, uh, even being willing to give away what some people might see as their core IP. Oh, yeah, people get worried about that. You know, um, and, you know, sharing because they genuinely love the idea that this could really fundamentally change the world they live in. Mm. You know? And it's that attitude which will always help rather than, I've got something I could promote or I could position this that's got... Okay, so so how do you, because of those 300, John, I am guessing there is a large proportion who just want to be able to put TEDx on the speaker's bio. Yeah, right? absolutely. Uh, that then, that, so therefore, they're coming at it from the wrong place. Um, has mm. it, have, have any ever got through your filter? And how do you, how do you weed them out? So none have got through my filter. Oh, you're good. <laughs> I have a fairly rigorous process. Um, of those 300 people, you know, probably 19 out of 20 um, wouldn't warrant either an idea worth spreading or, or, or seen as self-promoting. So they'll be told. Mm-hmm. 
Um, and I, I want to apologise. There's a handful I haven't got back to, but I'll Ooh, explain. Do it why. now. Just do it broadly. Oh, thanks. Thanks Thank for your application. Um, yep. Uh, was... at this point, didn't fit within either our theme or didn't fit in with the context of what we were trying to do. Yeah. Um, trying to sell too hard. One of next was. year. Yeah. Look, yeah. I, I never say no to people. I just say, look, let's keep exploring, because <laughs> the moment you limit yourself is the moment you start. You know, that's when everything goes to pot. Mm-hmm. You know. Um, so, you know, those people, uh, even even the one in 20 that do get through, 30% don't make it through the speech development program that I've created. Oh, what's that? So I've got a little, well, it's not a little process anymore. It takes about 8 to 25 hours. And it's a speech development program that allows people to deliver messages with impact. Huh. And so um, I, I work with speakers all the time around this, not just in the TED context, to help people talk about what they, they love but also deliver in a contextually relevant way and in an engaging way mm-hmm. that, that makes sure that people are on the edge of their seat. Uh, so that's kind of like, that's a speaker's training program. Yeah, kind of a speaker's training program. I've just I've recently read How to Deliver a TED Talk. kind of did my head in a bit. It's quite, oh, compl- yeah. quite, quite complicated, that book. There's three, there's three books out there, and um, they're all quite clever in technique, but uh, maybe I'm sounding a bit self-promotional here, but I like to think mine's better. Yeah, oh, well, only, if, if you don't, who will? <laughs> I know, past yeah. guest, um, Zara, Zara Swindles Gross, past guest of this show. She did yeah. a TEDx talk, 80 hours practice yeah. for 18 minutes. How good was her talk too, by yeah, the way? Look, it's, it's not unusual for speakers to do that. I've, I've, I can guarantee a standing ovation on my stage with the formula I have. I think it's pretty rigorous. And stuff that, that Zara does in terms of the hours committed is definitely a significant part of that. Yeah, and she... Uh, Talked about Azara being my my speech speaking coach, and uh, she's brutal. First thing she says yeah. is, "You've been practicing. You got to do it two or three times a day, Timbo." She just yeah. just like, and you know, I I haven't, John. Don't tell anyone, but I never <laughs> I never did it three times a day practice in my off days. But um, I still I have I have one keynote that I've delivered all year, and mm. I still do my opening once a day, just in my head when I'm driving. Um, yeah. For sort of the first ten minutes, it's great. I mean, if you are speaking, and there'll be people listening here who die to get on the TED stage, TEDx stage, um, practice is everything. That's the level of commitment required. Oh, it is. It is. And then I, I um, in fact, I was listening to a podcast the other day. Dave Hughes, the uh, comedian, was being interviewed <laughs> by uh, Osher Ginsberg. A- a- Andy G used to be Andy G. Yeah, uh, and he was interviewing Dave. A really good interview, good in depth interview, you know. And Dave was just talking about he's just left TV and radio about a year ago, and he's gone on the road with his stand up routine, and talking about how he agonises, and sort of he being all good comedians, you know, mm. agonise over words and the way you deliver words, and you know they could agonise over a word for one word in one sentence for a week. Just to yeah. get that nuance right, and not surprised. Chris Rock, there was a Chris Rock um, video on YouTube, and it literally shows maybe forty or fifty separate um, gigs that he's done. And what this guy's done is spliced random parts of that of each of those videos into one video, and the conversation and the sentence continues the entire way through. Oh. And the only way you can tell that it's a different scene is he's wearing something different unreal 
That's clever. Yeah, it's a really interesting. Go watch it. Uh, I, I look. I can't remember what the URL is, but I'll try and dig it up. I've, I've just. I will. Will please send it through. But I'll look at. It. I'll put it in the show notes for yeah. this for this episode. But um, okay. So your filter is rigorous. Um, yep. Fourteen out of three hundred. You then yep. put them through a speech development program. Eight yep. to twenty-five hours. Um, do they? Is that something they need to pay for, or does that come with the uh, becoming well, a TEDx speaker? Well, if they're on my stage, that's the expectation. Yeah, right. So if, if they're not going to do that, then then they don't they don't get on my stage. Um, so like Max Walker was on your stage, he wouldn't need to do it. So do you tell people, oh, you've got to do it? You don't have to do it. Uh, actually, oh, every, get out! You're going to say every, Max did it. Everyone, everyone commits. Love it. Everyone commits because they understand what we're trying to create. This is not just a speech. You, are you, are you creating? Is this a bit cookie cutter? Are we going to all? They all going to sound the same? Well, do you think they sounded the same? No, no, exactly. <laughs> See, part of that is understanding. One element is actually understanding your own personal style. So there's nine elements in this group, which I won't go into now. Mm-hmm. There's nine elements. One of them is your personal style. So that's and, so important. And, and how do you make sure that that is exactly? How do you make sure that that's reflected? you know, in, in what you're doing. Yeah, like marketing, like 101, 102, 201, 201, like that is so important. It's like, I, I think I've said this in a recent episode, but I'll say it again because it's like people want to, every business wants to differentiate themselves. And I have a lot of business owners listen to this show and they all want to differentiate themselves in a crowded marketplace. The USP's dead in terms of your product is not different to your competitor's product or service. Mm-hmm. So one way, one way of differentiating yourself is being yourself and really honouring your personality in the brand that you're trying to build. Yeah, absolutely. Oh. Yeah, if they're not honouring themselves as an individual and, and, and letting that permeate through their message, then it, it's got an air of incongruency. Mm. And, it sure you know, has. People will sniff it, sniff it a mile away. Yep. And um, it was actually interesting. I... Because I feel very strongly about that point. Um, Toastmasters announced the winner of their, you know, and I'm not a big fan of Toastmasters. Sorry, Toastmasters, but they announced their public speaking winner of the year a few months ago. And I went and had a look at his talk, and I've got to say, it felt so. I don't know whether you've seen it. It felt very manufactured. <clears throat> yeah. You know, he was just ticking all the boxes. You know. Yeah, and, and that's what they do. That's what a lot of a lot of these things do. They do talk about ticking boxes, and you know what we're doing is crafting an experience. We're as a brand, we're a brand experience. As a speaker, they're an, they're they're a content experience. It's no different. Hmm. How does that all interrelate? How do we get that to connect with the audience? How do we make that relevant and engaging? You know, yeah, they're just one on one type things. But if you if you do them consistently, that's where you get to grow. You know, uh, as an individual and as an organisation. Correct. You know, we, we started off with 53 people on a mail list and we've got, you know, last year, well, no, sorry, this year we had 2 million mentions on social media. TEDx? TEDx Ted- Melbourne? Melbourne? Yeah. What? Yeah. What was the split out of interest? Facebook, uh, uh, Twitter, LinkedIn, sort of that, that way? Uh, yeah. Yeah, that's probably probably the the, yeah, the, the right ratio hmm. in the right order. 2 million. Yeah. And and you do you follow that via uh, people hashtagging? Yeah, it's hashtagging use it? of the hashtag. Yeah, yeah. Wow, that's that's significant. So let's talk. One of the discussions that I've got going on in the small business big marketing forum at the moment, John, is about 
getting bums on seats. I've got a, a member who's starting uh, some events up in Brisbane, and she's going, how do I get bums on seats? Which is the ongoing question for anyone who wants to put on an event. Um, sure. And unfortunately, there's a whole lot. As you say, you know, the marketplace is getting crowded. There's no shortage of events to go to these days. Many are free because someone's going to pitch you something at the end. Mm-hmm. And so, therefore, people's kind of um, people's radars of like, oh, no, I'm not going to go to that because I'm going to get pitched at are quite yeah. sensitive th- these days. Um, yep. You got 900 into a room at the Melbourne Convention Centre recently. In are about you, two weeks. In, in what? Yeah, in about two weeks. It took oh, us two weeks to get those numbers. That's nuts. And um, I think I paid, what did I pay? Did I pay 100 bucks for the ticket? 150 bucks? What was it? 145. 145. Yeah. Um, so tell me, do you, are you, therefore, do you rely, just sit back and rely on the TED brand to get those bookings? God, or no. how did, no? Okay, no, then how do you do it? No, uh, well, it, it comes. To, there's, a, there's some fundamental pieces which I started to mention. So you know, relevance and engagement. If we're not relevant and we're not engaging, the brand will never go anywhere. You know, the, the, what people expect and what they experience will never will never be in sync. Mm-hmm. So we're, we're we're acutely aware that every single touch point that we have with someone, we're constantly adding value. We're constantly having an engaging question with them, if you like, or something that's going to get them to think about you know. The world they live in, mm-hmm. and you know, in Melbourne in particular, there's a bit of a rash. We just made saying before the interview. You know, there's been a, a rash of events in the innovation space, and we've constantly had to be in front of that thought leading in that regard. So, um, one of the ways you can do that is making sure you understand your community really well. So, you, you might remember the application form for. Um, Coming to our event is not just what's your name and your contact details. Mm-hmm. You might remember it had things like, uh, you know, um, what are you proud of? Mm-hmm. What are three websites that represent you as a human being? You know, we're able to get some deep insights into what I call the psychographic of our community. What excites them? What the hopes and dreams and aspirations were? We offer, you know, we also ask, you know, the causes they support, their hobbies and interests, so that we get a contextual understanding of who's in our room. And by doing that, we can understand things like, well, if we were to do this particular theme or this particular topic or have this particular sp- speaker, would they find that relevant? Mm-hmm. And then I work with the speakers to work out, well, how do we make this engaging for them? And if, if you're constantly mapping these together in, in, a, in, a, in as granular way as possible, then you're speak, you're not, rather than speaking at them, you're having conversations with them. Mm. And that, that's a key differentiator, you know. Uh, you know, we we could have done a bit better job of, of doing that this year. I think we did a really good job last year. But in terms of, we're not just saying this is the event, this is the qualifications of our speakers, this is the topic they're going to speak about. You know, so we're true. saying, why do you want to even be with us? How can we serve you achieve things both within our event that you might find interesting, but how do we also engage with topics outside of our event that are relevant to you? And how do we help you connect with those people? How do we help you solve your life's problems, if we can call them that, in a way that's, that, that moves beyond just come to a conference? So you do a whole what, – and what's amazing about that, John, is that it's all voluntary. And I just wonder 
is te- and I guess this is across all of Ted, and clearly mm. Ted's not being held back. But I'm going to say it anyway. Mm. It's, it's like is, is TEDx being held back by the fact that you've got all this amazing data now? You've got the opportunity to engage via social media at probably a pretty amazing level by being able to speak with versus at your your tribe. Mm. Yet you're all volunteers, and you're all running your own businesses outside of your TEDx stuff. So. I'm I'm guessing you could be doing a whole lot more. Scary, really, given you're getting 900 yeah. bums on a seat on seats in two weeks. Absolutely. Look, uh, you know, I reckon we, I, I I guesstimate we're we're working within maybe 40 to 60 percent of what we could potentially do with a full time organisation. And the marketplace is becoming more competitive. Uh, so are we now? Is it now time? Have we has has the world caught up with Ted? And is it time for Ted to uh, make the next bold move? Look, I, I think we're already doing that. Um, I, I mentioned the, the adventures. Um, it's, it's a classic example. Um, the adventures? Yeah. So, is this your 2015 um, plan? Plans, yeah. Because you just, in the context of that, listeners, by the way, I'm speaking to John Yo, who is the curator of TEDx Melbourne and has been since 2009. John, you've literally just got back this week from uh, the, an event in. Yeah, uh, Christchurch. Yeah, the National Organisers Conference, which is pretty much everyone in Australia, New Zealand, sharing best practice and right. ideas. Okay, okay. So, twenty fifteen. What, mm-hmm. what what what's the step up? Well, um, we noticed we noticed that we had uh, a whole bunch of scenarios, and I'll, I'll give you one that's kind of a favourite at the moment. We're working with a car manufacturer. Um, they have a situation that obviously you know. In Australia, in particular, all the manufacturing for cars is leaving. They expect a talent pool shrinkage within five to seven years. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, and they, they have this lab. And what's unique about this lab is it's one of the few labs on the planet that can design a car and build a car. And I said, oh, cool, can we get in that lab? And he said, no. He said, why not? I said, people in our company can't get in that lab. <laughs> I said, all right, so, so you've got this scenario where you've, you know, Five to seven years, he said, yeah. He goes, well, we work with a, an amazing bunch of, um, called RoboGals. They encourage girls in years seven and eight to do science, engineering, technology. RoboGals. RoboGals, yeah. Mm-hmm. And I said, well, what have we got? What have I worked with um, Fairfax, our local newspaper, and do a story about your commitment to um, science, engi- not only science, engineering, technology, but, but girls in particular? And they like the idea. So long story short, we have access to that lab. And you can only get access to that lab if you're part of the TEDx Melbourne community. So the partner benefits, the community benefit, and we benefit because we can create unique experiences that you can't get outside of our space. And that lab, is that a physical lab? Like with people with white coats running around? Yeah, it's in in Melbourne, yeah. So, oh, that's cool. So TEDx Melbourne, as, as a TEDx what? What am I? Am I a TEDx attendee? Am I a so, member? Yeah, you, you would qualify in there and then we could, we could work out a way to get a select number of people in that lab because the lab's actually physically not that big. Mate, let's just let's do a show from that lab. What would the show be about for small business big marketing? Ooh. The car it's a car manufacturer. It is a car manufacturer. We'll have to talk well let's talk. I don't know. I really don't know. We'll play bullshit bingo and I'll say, um, we'll take that offline, John. Okay. <laughs> hey mate, um, I, I, in my experience, speaking to people who get involved with um, creating amazing content, 
uh, and I quote uh, Melissa Maker, a, a cleaner, a house cleaner from Toronto. She has a business called Clean My Space. She's embarked on an amazing video marketing strategy. She now sits on a board at YouTube in New York. Uh, amazing things have happened to me having started this podcast five years ago. I'm interested to know what amazing things have happened to you or the most amazing thing that's happened to you since becoming involved with the TED organization. Oh, that's a big one. Well, top oh. of mind. And yep. then as you share that one, another one will come to mind and you yeah. can share that as well. Okay. I'll give you my very first experience when I first went to a TED conference in the US. They, at the time, this is, I don't know, three or four years ago now, they uh, they they fly in international award-winning baristas and their machines and their beans to caffeinate the attendees. That's cool in itself. That's cool. Um, but, of course, invariably the, there's the long line to try all the different coffee vendors. And the person that I was standing uh, behind was, and, and we struck up a conversation, was the strategy director for Amazon. And the guy behind me was Morgan Spurlock <laughs> from Super Size Me. So you can imagine the conversation we're having. And that that's sort of the power of that type of networking. Mm. You can't put a value on. No. You know, and that's not even on stage. These are people who are just hanging around in the foyer. Right, they just want a coffee. Yeah. That's and, cool. Yeah, it is cool. And, you know, if we can create that serendipitous type of opportunity for people who come into our space, I think we're doing a, a good job. Yeah, well, and to that point, and I've spoken about this before to my listeners, we've got to get out of our comfort zones. Um, I had stuff on the day TEDx was on, yeah, but it was stuff. And there's some things in our business life, in our personal life, we can't move. But there are other things where we've really got to ask ourselves the question, where, where should I be that I'm going to get the most value today? Or some question like that, you know. And for me, cancelling what I had on, buying that TEDx ticket and seeing some of those speakers was, was wonderful. I happened to catch up with a couple of um, people that I hadn't seen for a long time as well. Serendipitous, maybe. But it was just so, such a good thing to do. And the more we can, and, and it's like, and I'm sitting there listening to a lady who's going to be going to Mars, um, a guy who can figure out if people are lying, um, a school teacher who hands permission for the school, a school principal who, who, who lets get, whose school is run by students. And it's like, well, how's this benefiting my marketing? But whether it does or not, it opens up your mind. It does, absolutely. First of all, thank you. Thank you for taking you know, that special consideration and to come to our event. I do, I do appreciate it. I'll do it again. Brilliant. Awesome. Awesome. I should run this more often. Um, but uh, but you, you talk exactly to our point. There's an, um, the mind-expanding experience and the perspectives you get yeah. that cause you to think about your world in a different way and then therefore go out and be a different person is what we're after. Because if you go to a conference and go, yeah, that was a good idea and go home again, everyone goes to those conferences. Mm. We don't want that. Mm. Well, and John, I've spoken in eight countries this year at about 60 conferences and uh, I've been to a lot of conferences, mate, mm. and uh, I'm sure you have too and I'm sure many listeners have and they can become a little bit the same and mm. they, they don't challenge and they do just tick boxes. So, so many learnings. When you look at something, I, I, again, I look at TED, I've always looked at TED in two ways. One is as a place to go and learn and be entertained and see interesting things, but... I look at it through the eyes of a marketer and a speaker 
and there's, l- <laughs> there's so many learnings as well. So, uh, hey, John, well done to you, mate, for being Thanks, involved, Tim. for bringing it to Melbourne, for um, furthering it, because uh, I, I, I think, you know, wow, 40 to 60% you think, is, you know, you've, you've optimised it so far. I can't wait to see what it looks like in five years' time. Mm-hmm. I'm looking forward to it myself. Good on you. Thank you, John. Thanks, Tim. Well, team, I hope you enjoyed that interview as much as I enjoyed bringing it to you. How how clever is John? How good is Ted? If you haven't been to Ted, get over there and have a look, and TEDx as well, of course. I've got a top five this time, thanks to Net Registry and 99designs.com forward slash SBBM. My top five, I couldn't keep it to three. There was too much marketing gold dripping, dripping from the ceiling. Number one. Be relevant and engaging. So important, you know. Be relevant and engaging with your audience, your prospects, so that they think, yeah, that business gets me. They understand me. To that point, number two, understand your prospects really well. I love how John said get a contextual understanding of them, where they are at now where they're looking at to be in the future. Get inside their head and don't just understand them demographically. I've got a whole section inside my forum where we go through the brand character and one of the questions helps you get inside the head of your prospects. But that's a great tip. Tip number three that I took from John's chat, don't speak at at them, speak with them. Yeah, how many brands speak at us? At, at, at. Buy now, buy this, do this, closing now. Nah, forget that. Speak with me. And that's why social media is so good. That's why podcasting, blogging, video marketing is so good. It gives us the, the tools and the mediums to have a two-way conversation. That's why I love seeing the comments in the show notes of each episode. That's why I love having a forum. There's nothing more powerful than being able to have a two-way conversation with your prospects about them, about where they're at, and how, in in my case, how I can help you move forward with your marketing. So that's a great tip from John as well. Tip number four, (laughs) just go to a TEDx event, or if you're lucky enough, go to a TED event. But get out there and and don't look at a TEDx event, for example, and go, oh, why would I want to hear from an astronaut? You know, it's got nothing to do with my business. Just hearing from other people share their ideas and stories opens your mind, okay? So get out there. Google uh, when the next TEDx event is in your area, and they are everywhere, and book a ticket. And number five, do a public speaking course. I can't encourage that enough. Speaking has growing my business exponentially these last 18 months. Um, Even if you don't think you'll ever speak from stage, do a public speaking course because it's great for your confidence, it's great for articulating your message, and it's great for being able to get rid of all the unnecessary verbiage around your sales messages and enforces you to cut to the chase. Okay, so encourage you to then look out for public speaking courses. I might even think about putting one on next year. If you're interested um, in that or anything else you'd kind of like to learn more of, I do want to do some things next year, some live events, just an idea bubbling away in my little mind. 
So email me, tim at smallbusinessbigmarketing.com. Hey, now I will put in the show notes for this episode, episode 213, that Chris Rock YouTube video that John spoke about and the Derek Lithers TEDx talk that was John's favorite. And I'll put a link to my favorite, which is the um, the shark-proof wetsuit. Wet okay, so there you go. Let's get stuck in to the motivational quote of the week. I love this one. I think it's my favorite motivational marketing quote of the week so far. It is by, none less, Sir Richard Branson. And he says... A business is just an idea to make other people's lives better. How good is that? If you think of your business like that, then it's going to make the marketing of your business a whole lot easier. You will focus on creating helpful marketing, a a topic I can talk endlessly about. A business is just an idea to make other people's lives better. Write it down. Put it in front of your computer, write it on your hand, write it under your eyelids, (laughs) and practice it. Live it. It will help grow your business. That just about brings us to the end of episode 213. Thank you very much to Net Registry for making this show possible and to the guys at 99designs. Don't forget, Turbo Power Pack Upgrade, 99designs.com forward slash SBBM. Claim it now. Hey, how's this for upcoming guests? I'm about to do an interview in about half an hour's time, actually, with Daniel Delaney, who has got a very, very cool barbecue restaurant in New York City. I am speaking with personal trainer to the stars, Michelle Bridges. I have got the CEO of 99designs coming on to talk about the power of crowdsourcing your designs and how that business actually came to be in the first place. It's such a big success story. I have got uh, the head honcho of the uh, National Online Retailers Association, Paul Greenberg, coming up and so much more. You want to join other motivated small business owners and talk marketing every day or every week whenever you feel like it, basically? head over to crankmymarketing.com and join the forum. It'll take you two minutes and you will think, where have I been? Where has this been all your life? Enough from me. This has been Timbo Reid. Well, I am Timbo Reid. This has been the Small Business Big Marketing Show. May your marketing be the best marketing. Bye for now. You've been listening to the Small Business Big Marketing Show with Tim Reid. Want more marketing goodness? Then visit smallbusinessbigmarketing.com.